Well, hello everyone out there. This is Rick Williams. I'm the recorder of Saladin Shriners in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and you are listening to the inaugural Saladin podcast. And the idea for this program came about because uh, so many of our nobles in Saladin, as well as nobles around the country, uh, are either sheltering in place or social distancing because of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And we thought it might be great to have some content available for people to listen to about the fraternity that is recent, uh, that connects you with leaders either at the temple level, in the case of Saladin, or at the national level. And was very honored to have our first interviewee be Imperial Sir Jeff Souter, who is the Imperial Potentate of Shriners International. And so this interview that's going to follow is one that uh, we recently recorded, uh, Jeff and I, using a uh, remote service where I was uh, up here in Grand Rapids and uh, Jeff was uh, at his office in Kansas. And we talked about a number of issues related to Shriners International and and the future. And uh, I hope that you enjoy this interview and and the ones that will come in the future. Uh, It's our goal here to have something for you to listen to and something for you to enjoy. I can tell you that uh, at the tail end of the interview, Jeff talks some about the plans for the virtual Imperial session that's coming up and that's taken shape a little bit more uh, since Jeff and I spoke. So he's kind of giving his initial thoughts about it. And we're at a stage now where most of that has been out to the delegates and we're currently in the process of of voting on uh, how that's going to go forward. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this interview. I thank Jeff so much uh, for sitting down and doing it with us. And this particular podcast is dedicated to uh, all the great nobles in Saladin right now. And also uh, all the nobles on the East Coast and the West Coast and all places in between that are sheltering in place and staying safe. I'm thinking about all of you guys and hope you enjoy this interview. Thanks so much. Bye. Well, okay. Uh, Something I've been wanting to do for a very long time. We've got a uh, podcast that we're doing here and we're very lucky to have Imperial Sir Jeff Souter, the Imperial Potentate of Shriners International with us from his office in the, the great state of Kansas. And uh, Jeff, it's, Hey, it's great to be talking with you. It's great to see you. And I can see you're wearing the official MinMix Minerals hat too. <laughs> I am, Rick. It's, uh, it's you know I closed the office here about ten minutes ago, and I thought, well, the phone will quit ringing and everything, and so it's a good time for you and I to do this. I I got on my beef or chicken cap, uh, especially for Fred Emler. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, hey, I uh, I wanted to just uh, we had a bunch of different things that you and I had talked about uh, that we might be able to talk about, and I think one thing is uh, a lot of people will see either in Shriners magazine or maybe they get a chance to talk to you, and they might hear a, a snapshot of experiences that uh, a Shriner has when they are Imperial potentate, and I was just wondering if you could. Uh, uh, you know, tell tell Shriners out there, the Shriners of Saladin, anyone else that is listening, what some of your top experiences uh, have been this year, the things that you really will take away as memories. Well, I'll tell you the first thing that's a big memory that I didn't think it would be, and that was the pageant at the Imperial Session this year. I don't think I realized how big that was and how important that was and how it makes you feel until you start walking down that center aisle. And when I had my family in front of me and and we walk down and up on stage and you finally get on stage and you see everybody sitting out there. It becomes a pretty big deal at that point in time. So, you know, that was uh, that was kind of one of that moment that says, hey, I'm going to be the Imperial Potentate right now. You know, and I thought that was a pretty special deal. And then, you know, 10 years ago, uh, I got elected as the Imperial Outer Guard. And when you get elected the Imperial Outer Guard, one of the first things that happens is somebody from Hagi Temple – 
in Pensacola, Florida, comes running up the stage and they hand you a letter asking that your first official visit as the Imperial Potentate to be to their temple. <laughs> and so I'd saved that letter for all those years and and uh, pulled it out in January of this year and called Hagi Temple and talked to Ed Brown, who's going to be is a potentate now in 2020. And Ed and I have been good friends for a long time. We've worked on the membership committee a lot together and called him and said, okay, let's find a date. So you come home from the Imperial session. Some Imperial potentates never even go home before they go to Hagi. But Cheryl and I came home for a couple of days and repacked and everything. And then that was our first visit. And I'm going to tell you, they really do a good job with that. That's kind of a tradition everybody's done. And then from there forward, there's just, it's almost impossible to, to even begin to name all the, the things. But certainly uh, laying a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier, that'll make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And, and you realize what an important part of history it is there. Do you do and, that as uh, as part of the uh, international meeting for uh, Legion of Honor? International Association of Legion okay. of Honor. Yep, okay. and they they set that all up and they go with you. And it was a, it was a tremendous experience to do that. And then I think uh, you know a couple of other highlights would be you know obviously I, I went to the well not obviously I did go to, I went to the Philippines. This is my second trip over there to Mabuhay Temple. I've really got some special relationships with Mabuhay and. And they, masonry enshrined them over there is just like it was here 40, 50 years ago. And so it's, it's, it takes on a whole new importance over there. I uh, went to Panama in February, kind of one of my last trips. And uh, we formed the Latin American Shrine Association. And we haven't formed a new shrine association in over 50, 60 years or more. And that was one of my goals coming in this year was to get that form to help our temples in Latin America get together at least one time a year, make sure we have imperial officers and trustees from the Shriners Hospital for Children there, and to assist them in becoming better at what they do as temples. And I really want to thank Abu Saad Temple in, in Panama for arranging all of that, getting that done. Ricky Arocha played a huge part in this, in getting this ready to go and pulling it off without a hitch. And Hey, Jeff, how, how, how are they, uh, with that association, how are they handling that? So you have, you have Mexico, Panama, our Shriners in Brazil. Uh, how are they handling some of the clubs that are in some of the other countries that haven't necessarily stood up as temples yet? Are they directly involved or is it just the temples that we have stood up right now? No, actually, we invited the clubs to come as well. So that even though they might be under the jurisdiction of Almas in Washington, D.C. or something, but they're in Latin America. And we asked them to come, and many of them did. Cool. And uh, we had a good representation there. And so we, we went together and we put a process together over about a day and a half where the temples and the clubs will work together to make the Latin American Shrine Association into something that I think is going to be a, a really good association in the years to come. It's really Very, exciting. Yeah. yeah, it is really exciting. And uh, I guess, you know, one last thing I'll mention, I'm a huge sports fan. And, and one of my first trips out was we went to Lambeau Field in Green Bay. And I'm going to tell you what, that's that's an exciting thing. It's That's hallowed ground, holy grail of sports, the whole bit there. And I really want to thank Bejo Shriners for making that happen because I'm a huge sports fan, as you know, and really had a good time there. 
with anyone's year as Imperial Potentate, there's always a number of initiatives and things that they have. And and I know that your membership program and you've been involved, I think a lot of people might not even realize, or maybe they do realize that you've been involved with membership for a long time in your journey. I think you were involved with the Masonic Renewal Committee uh, prior to your involvement with Shrine membership, weren't you? Yeah, that's exactly right. When I was coming up through the Grand Lodge line in Kansas, and I was Grand Master in 97, so somewhere about 95, 96, maybe 94, 95, 96, I was a member of the North American Masonic Renewal Committee. And that's where I first met Jack Jones. And as we all know, in my opinion, Jack Jones was certainly, if not the most wonderful Shrine Mason I've ever been around, certainly one of those. And I met Jack then, and, and, uh, you know, I came back to Kansas, obviously, and I, I finished my term as Grand Master, and then they got me involved at Midian Shrine pretty much immediately after that, and I went through and became potentate of that, and it wasn't, it was right about that time when I was done being potentate that Jack called me and says, hey, he says, I, I want you to come down and get involved with membership uh, down here in Tampa and do some things for me, and so... I did that, and I, I worked the Oriental Guide, Assistant Bands, and Membership Seminars for five years. And along the way, I had Imperial officers starting to talk to Cheryl and I about running for the Imperial Line, which obviously we, we did. And I give a lot of credit to Jack for getting me started there. But I've been a membership guy from the word go. I worked at my Grand Lodge level, uh, everywhere I've been. Um, and so I started this year, I started the, the Just One program. And the Just One program uh, was all about two things. Number one, everybody being that just one special person every day that makes a difference in somebody else's life. I'm a pretty positive person, and I don't like negativity. And and certainly, I think we as Masons and as Shriners need to uphold what the really good values are in life today, because that's that's what we were raised to do as Masons and as Shriners. And so then it's all about everyone going out and getting just one new member. And Rick, I don't think that's a lot to ask of anybody. I think that if we're invested in your temple and want to see your temple succeed in the years to come, then certainly getting new members has to be a part of your be a top priority for you. And so I'm asking everybody just to look at everybody differently from the people they go to school with uh, or go to church with, they work with, they do business with, they, they're the school fathers and grandfathers as their kids and grandkids. And let's find men that we know have high moral values and we know make good masons and good shriners. And let's mentor them through that process and get them to be a, lo- a lodge member, get them to be the shrine. Because we all know we got to build Blue Lodge masonry if we're going to build shrine masonry. And certainly my roots are deeply embedded in Blue Lodges. And, and I, I committed to do that. You know, we talked on the phone a little while back when we first talked about the idea of doing this podcast. And you told me a really, really cool just one story in a way uh, about an older Mason that you've had a relationship for a long time with out in the Grand Lodge of Kansas there. And he contacted you about uh, becoming a Shriner. And uh, I was wondering if you'd share that story with everybody. Yeah, Rick, I, I tell you, it was a really neat story. I said, uh, you know, Bill up the Grove and I have been friends for a long time and, and Bill's 93 years old. He was such a stalwart in our Grand Lodge system for many years, and he was a grand lecturer and traveled the state putting on uh, district meetings and things, schools of instruction, and, and one of those guys that I really looked up to as a young Mason coming up the line. 
And I always assumed Bill had been a Shriner for years and years. He lives about 250 miles, mostly west of me. And he called another Shrine Mason out in his hometown. And, and he says, hey, he says, I, I've been reading on Facebook and stuff about Jeff. And he's, he's got this just one program going. He says, tell me what's that all about. It's about membership. And, and the Shriner out there said, yeah, Jeff's all about everybody going out and getting just one new member. He says, well, you tell him I want to be his just one new member. He says, I need to help him with that. So here's a guy that's 93 years old and has been a Mason for 60-some years, but had never taken the step to be a Shriner. And he, But because of the program, it's something that he decided that he needed to do. So I went to contacted my potentate, illustrious Sir Fred Smith at Midian, and we got his petition in several months ago. And and one of the last things I did before the COVID-19 virus shut everybody everything down was I was home for a couple of days and and I got my potentate, Fred Smith, and I drove to Wichita and picked him up. And then we drove on out to Lewis, Kansas. And we met Bill and about a half a dozen other Shrine Masons uh, from the Lewis area at the Lodge Hall there. And over the in 45 minutes to an hour, we did a short form ceremonial on him that was really well done. And I want to thank my potentate, Fred Smith. He carried the big load on that because he is a tremendous ritualist, was formerly our ceremonial master at Midian and knows the ritual forwards and backwards by memory. And between the two of us, we made Bill a Shriner. And that was a really special uh, moment for me to do that. And uh, it, about a week later, I get a thank you note from Bill. That's just how nice a guy that he is for asking. And thank me for coming out and doing that. And a day or two after that, I was going through some boxes of old Masonic memorabilia that uh, I've had in my house ever since I was coming up the Grand Lodge line. And I was thinking I, I could just get rid of some of this stuff. And I opened up that first box, and there was a letter that Bill at the Grove had wrote to me from in April of 1998, right after I went out of office as Grand Master, commending me for the job that I did as Grand Master. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's almost like the start. I, I, I didn't even remember I had that letter, but certainly there it was. So it was a very special time, and, and Bill took that to heart. And that's just, he's just a wonderful guy. And immediately after uh, I met him as Rainer, him his daughters loaded him up, took him to Texas uh, to head out and make sure he was okay all during the COVID-19 thing. But Bill had told him, I'm not going to Texas with you until Jeff comes and makes me a Shriner. So just sit tight, but special man. Yeah. What a great story, Jeff. That's, that's great. The, uh, I know that uh, in addition to the initiatives that you've had as Imperial potentate for membership, I know that your lady Cheryl uh, has a, uh, has some programs that she's, uh, put into place in, in in addition to just sort of like the normal philanthropy that we do from year to year. She's got a really special program out there. In fact, my my lady Hannah is a member of it now. But could you uh, could you tell everybody about that? Sure, love to do that because my wife has she she thought this through, planned it out, worked with our donor relations department and our marketing communications department over the last year and a half uh, before we were installed to put this into place. As we all know, every Imperial lady has a project and they're all really good projects. In order to make money to fund that project, they sell ties and they sell necklaces and they sell beads and, and all sorts of little things they do. And they work really hard at that and they're all very successful at it. So my wife did all of those things as well. 
but she also instituted a new organization called Women in Philanthropy. And it was really, it was for anybody, any lady to join. And it's for Shrine ladies, but it's also for those outside of Shrine to join. Ladies that totally appreciate what Shriners Hospitals for Children are and what they do for the kids that we take care of and the fact that they might want to contribute to that. So for just $500, they also get a really nice piece of jewelry as well. But they became, they be, this year, they're, they became a founding member in the Women in Philanthropy organization. And I'm going to tell you, through eight months, which is all we were on the road, she knocked it out of the park with that. I'm not going to let out the final number or anything that she's made, but she has really um, made this worthwhile. She's sold um, over 400 memberships in that program. And why she's really disappointed that she didn't get the last four months to finish it out. Her primary goal not only was getting this program established, but then being able to pass it on to Alice Smith, who would then pass it on to Deb Bailey, so that they can then re-enroll these ladies in their Women in Philanthropy program. And then we continue to build that base that Cheryl started. So she's done a tremendous job with this project. And and down the road here, everyone will hear about what the final results were and, and just how well she did. But I'm very proud of her for not only thinking about this program, but spending the time to plan it, organize it, and then roll it out and then make it into what it's become. Because truly, it's going to make a difference going forward in the amount of contributions we're able to make to Shriners Hospitals for Children and the care that we give the kids. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a great program, Jeff. It, it's uh, looking at things from a multi-year perspective like that is something that a lot of times in fraternal giving, we always think like this particular year, that particular year, and, and coming up with something that sort of involved the ladies and gets them focused on multi-year giving and multi-year support is great. No, no, I agree with you. And that was her total goal to start with, was to make sure that she, she laid a base for those to follow. And the fact that her hope was that everyone would be better than the one bef- after them or before them. So her hope was that Alice Smith would outdo what Cheryl did. And then Deb Bailey would do better than Alice Smith did, because it really is all about the kids and giving to the hospital. And that was her goal. Yeah. Excellent. Tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what your next year is going to look like. Well, it may look like what the last six weeks has looked like. So Cheryl <laughs> um, and I came home from a sister for being uh, we're in a guide school, and we'd been on about a 16, 17, 18-day trip where we'd been to the Shriners Hospitals for Children Baseball Classic. We came back and attended our Potentates Ball on February 29th. We went back to the Recorders Association meeting in Austin, then to the Treasures Association meeting in Pensacola, Florida. Then we went to Sister for Band seminar in Tampa, and then Jerry Gant and I and John McCabe and Mel Bauer. Uh, we went to Washington, D.C. for three days, and I came back for the last couple of days of Assistant Rebanda's seminar and came home, and that's when everything hit. It was right the day we were actually leaving uh, Tampa. And so we haven't been on the road at all or attended any meetings uh, physically since uh, I think it was March the 12th. And I can tell you that over the last six weeks, I've spent an inordinate amount of time on the phone and in Zoom meetings and Skype meetings and every other kind of meeting, um, 
because business doesn't stop at the hospitals. Business doesn't stop for Shriners International. You just have to figure out a different way to do it. So you asked me what my next year is going to look like. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've been working at the office uh, and at the ranch almost every day um, in between phone calls and meetings and things. And next year, it's a tradition that the Imperial Potentate becomes a, by election, he should become a trustee for Shriners Hospitals for Children. And I always say you kind of go from the penthouse down to the outhouse a little bit and that's not really the way it is but you go from being the imperial potentate to sitting at the end of the table uh, on the other side of what you've spent 10 or 11 years doing so certainly it's going to be different uh, for me I've been uh, involved in this 11 years now and been on the dead run gone 20 to 22 days a month until this year when we've been gone 25 to 29 days a month and that's going to change and that's okay you know it's i've had my run it's been a, a good run i've thoroughly enjoyed what i do and uh, i'll stay involved next year because i will be a trustee and hopefully jerry gann will give me a hospital or two to to be a liaison to and i think i'll probably still be the head of the strategic planning committee and that's kind of the direction I, I really enjoy uh, as we try to move our hospitals to a more efficient models driving down the road. So may not be gone as much, but I can tell you I'll still be involved and enjoying every minute of it. Hey, Jeff, you touched on something there that I, w I wanted to ask you about, and it had to do with uh, being a liaison to a hospital. So a lot of nobles might not realize that uh, members of the joint boards are typically assigned as a liaison to at least one and sometimes two hospitals. Uh, I know off the top of my head, uh, I'm pretty sure you at one point had Northern California, and you, you definitely had Lexington. I think you were quite involved in, in the entire development of the new Lexington campus. C could you uh, tell me a bit about the hospitals that you've had experiences with uh, being a liaison to? Yeah, my first one was Greenville, uh, and that was a great experience as a new uh, Imperial Outer Guard, and I, I really made some lasting friends in Greenville, and I was the liaison in Greenville for a couple of years, and, and then you get moved around, and I've had a lot of other hospitals, but two that stand out for me, and that's uh, Lexington, and I was very fortunate in the fact that I was asked as a member of the Building and Equipment Committee to go oversee the construction of the new ASC model uh, hospital that we now have in Lexington. And I can tell you that that was outside of the scope of anything that I've ever done before in my life. Uh, and I was pretty darn nervous about it, but uh, several members on the joint board said, hey, look, you've got somebody from Shriners uh, Hospitals for Children headquarters in Tampa that really does the heavy lifting. Your job is to carry his luggage and, and settle all the fights that go on between the contractors and the staff and everything else. And I, I say that jokingly because there's never any fights, but sometimes there are some disagreements about uh, how things need to be built in the new facility. So for three and a half years, I went to Lexington every month to, to watch the construction from the design process to seeing it come out of the ground to the finished product and to the dedication. And I'm going to tell you, I feel so fortunate to have been able to do that. It was a great experience for me and something I'll remember for a lifetime. Uh, the other hospital that I've really worked extensively with has been our Northern Cal Hospital in Sacramento. And Northern Cal is one of our hospitals that had all three disciplines. And it has, um, obviously, burns and it has um, spinal column injuries and then of course orthopedics and so they 
kind of have set a high standard for themselves. And it's something other hospitals, I know, look at them and wish that they could be like them because they've got this wonderful relationship with UC Davis as a partnership that they developed over the last 20 years. So as we move forward in this, we've designated uh, Northern Cal as perhaps a, a future center of excellence. And we're actually... Um, putting money into that hospital and their partnership with UC Davis as we move forward. And we believe that sometime in the next five to 10 years, you're going to see something of huge significance uh, happen there. Not that it's not already really good, but even better than it is today. And certainly the doctors and the staff and administrator and everybody at Northern Cal, they are deeply dedicated to the Shriners Hospitals for Children cause out there, as everyone is, but they seem to really have something going well, and we're going to support them in their efforts going forward. It's excellent. You know, I, I had an experience uh, with one of our hospitals, one of our burn hospitals, uh, that uh, became one of these sort of defining moments for me. It was sort of a patient memory that I had. Uh, and I was wondering if in all of your work with the hospitals, have you ever had any particular experience or patient story that's kind of stood out for you that's uh, always made your uh, you know your heart feel good as you do this work? Well, there's a lot of those, as you well know. But I can tell you that probably, I, I don't even know the patient's name, but it was a little girl in Mexico City. We had a joint board meeting down in Mexico City uh, during Gary Baginski's years in Imperial Potentate. And we took a tour of the Mexico City Hospital. As you well know, and others probably are, may not be aware of, it's, it's our busiest hospital that we have. And literally, the patients and their families line up outside of our Mexico City Hospital Monday through Friday for a block or two waiting to get into the hospital to see the doctors and our staff there for care. And I was standing in the lobby uh, of the Mexico City Hospital, and this little girl, who was probably 10, 11, 12 years old, she came up to me, and all the things she knew, she didn't know I was an imperial officer or anything else. All she knew is I, just a, uh, I was just a Shriner. I had my red fez on. And she came up to me, and she says, can I give you a big hug? Because she says, I'm going to tell you that if it wasn't for what Shriners did, I might not be alive today. And I'm going to tell you, that'll bring tears to your eyes pretty fast when that happens. So there's a lot of really nice stories with the patients you meet, and some of them you actually get really close to. But certainly something like that, just out of the clear blue, someone that doesn't even know who you are, you don't know who they are. It's rewarding that we're able to do the care that we do, but it's also rewarding that they recognize that we do that care. And it really warms your heart to do that. So that, that was a great experience. Yeah, it's a wonderful story, Jeff. Um, so how about, uh, you know, as you, as you go through that that uh, that journey of being an Imperial officer, and I, I'm not always sure how many people realize the length of that journey <laughs> and, 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 you know, all the meetings that you're going to be at, uh, both for the joint boards and then shrine meetings and everything like that. Uh, do you, it doesn't have to be from this year either. Do you have a fraternal memory that is something from along that journey, anywhere from outer guard onto Imperial potentate that, that stands out for you. That was just a, a hell of a shrine memory. Well, I think there's a couple of them. Uh, early on as a, as an Imperial officer, I went back to uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to a one day class that the state of Pennsylvania was having. And they did it in like seven or eight different locations across the state that day. And I think they raised over 6,000 new Master Masons that day. Wow. And so 
I, I just went back there to observe and to support uh, what the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania was doing and and uh, uh, make sure that I understood exactly how they were doing it and see what see what kind of experience it was. And you know, I got to tell you, when I was Grand Master and, and those before me and after me, we authorized the first one-day class in Kansas in February of 1998. And I was a part of the Council of Administration that did that. And then, uh, excuse me, February of 1994, we had the first one-day class in Kansas. And then when I was Grandmaster in 97, we did many of them across the state. So this was a few years after that, obviously. It was probably in 2011 or so. And one of the great things I observed was everybody that came in and became a a new Master Mason that day had to have a mentor with them to help them through that process, to hold the Bible when they took their oath, to to help them with the do guards and signs and, and et cetera with that. And I observed a young man that was about 25 years old, and he was sitting next to a man that was 91 years old. And common sense would tell you that the 25-year-old was becoming a Master Mason that day, except that wasn't what it was. He was the Master Mason. And the 91-year-old went to his church, and that's where they had met and become friends. And he knew that the 20, the 91-year-old man knew that the 25-year-old was a Mason, and they got to talking about Masonry one day, and the 91-year-old man mentioned that fact. He says, you know, I always wanted to be a Mason, but when I could have done that when I was younger, I was too busy working and raising a family and doing all that kind of stuff, and then I retired, and I got busy doing other things, and now I'm too old to do that. And the 25-year-old Mason said, no, you're not. Here's what here's an opportunity I have for you. So here was a 91-year-old man becoming a master mason that day. And I'm going to tell you, every time that they did another degree and stuff, the tears just ran down his cheek because he was so proud that he was finally getting to accomplish a goal that he had set forth for him many, many years ago and thought it would never happen. That was a pretty cool fraternal moment. Oh, Jeff, yeah. It, uh, it's not only a story about age and it transcending the fraternal experience but the idea that the the message that we have in our ritual is meaningful to you no matter what part of the river of life you're on that's exactly right and then i'll tell you just recently i'm so proud that shriners international partnered with the scottish right northern masonic jurisdiction and scottish right southern jurisdiction and we rolled out the beafreemason.org website it's a way that People can find information about Freemasonry, and then their information goes to the Grand Lodges. doesn't come to the Shrine, doesn't come to the Scottish Rite, Northern or Southern Jurisdiction. It goes to the Grand Lodge. And the fact that we partner together for the benefit of Blue Lodges all across the United States was very significant. And Dave got Glatley and Jim Cole, who heads up those two Scottish Rite organizations, and myself, we rolled this out at the Conference of Grand Masters that was held this year in Louisville, Kentucky in February. And I mean, we got a standing ovation from the Grand Masters that were in attendance there when we rolled it out. And I'm going to tell you, Grand Masters don't normally give you a standing ovation for anything. So <laughs> it was a pretty significant deal because they recognized how important this might be to them to build membership. We know, whether you're a member of the Scottish Rite, York Rite, Shrine, or whatever, that if we get Masons into Blue Lodges, we will then have the opportunity to get them to be one of us, whether it's a Shriner or a Scottish Rite Mason or a York Rite Mason. So we got to get them there first. And this this will really help our lodges going forward. When we uh, we had a phone conversation a while back, we said that uh, I asked you to do this podcast, and I can tell everybody right away, 
Jeff was 100% interested in it, but we made a promise to ourselves that it wasn't going to be all about COVID-19. Uh, you know, and that's actually the reason why this podcast came to be is, is I was talking with a couple of other of our demand members and I said, you know, we ought to start doing some content that people can listen to while they're stuck at home and, and it's just a great opportunity. And, uh, you were one of the first people I thought about that, that we should talk to. Uh, so we made that promise that, that we wouldn't spend the whole time talking about it, but I'm sure everybody uh, is curious. And, and I know that you just came off of, a joint board meeting where you guys had a lot of tough issues to discuss, I'm sure, just like we have at our temples. And I was wondering if you'd like to talk about uh, the things that came out of that meeting and the things that are kind of affecting your year so far. Sure, I'd be glad to do that. So I would tell you, just like everybody else, the joint boards have figured out how to do business differently. And I mentioned early on, I spent an awful lot of time on the phone with Zoom and Skype meetings, etc. So as you well know, as a former member of a, as a trustee for Shriners Hospitals for Children, that we always met in person to do committee week. And then we met in person to do joint board week, where we actually ratify the committee actions and discuss any, and ask any questions we might have of those. And it's a, it's a four day process, three and a half, four days, and, and it's hard work. So we've had to adapt and we did those by Skype, uh, a week ago or so and i can tell you I, I know i got the greatest amount of admiration for the staff we have at, in tampa at our shrine headquarters whether on the si side or the shc side everyone was so well prepared for this meeting and so when when any time we had an action item item if anybody had a question about it all they had to do was click on that question uh, on that item and and all the documentation came up right away that supported that and so the meeting went really really smooth and i couldn't be more proud of everybody on the joint boards and our, our executive vice presidents john pilon and john mccabe and all of our vice presidents down there that worked really hard to make that meeting so successful but as a result of that also uh, we made the very hard decision that due to the covid 19 issues that are plaguing us all around the world that we canceled the 2020 Imperial session that was going to be held July 5 to 9 in Kansas City. And, you know, that was a, a really hard decision to come to grips with, not to make because it was the right thing to do to protect the safety of our members. But the team that has been working so hard for the 2020 Imperial session for the last four years, my Director General Bart Ogden, my Deputy Director Generals Nick Baldy and Chris Murrow, two ladies from Visit KC and everybody else. We had almost 100 people that were now working for the push forward for the Imperial Session in Kansas City. All of a sudden, that's all going to go down the drain. And ultimately, though, Rick, it, it came down to safety. And it was the safety of our members uh, coming together from all over the world and not really knowing what might go might come out of the imperial session whether we go back to our communities and and maybe take the covid virus back to them and then trace it back to us and what kind of press would that be for shriners international or shriners hospitals for children but it's also most importantly about the safety of our kids in our hospitals because we all know that there's a number of us whether you're staff with shrine hospital whether you're a trustee a joint board member maybe somebody from a temple that uh, actively takes kids back and forth to the hospital what would happen if we infected ourselves and then we went back to our hospitals and infected our kids? So ultimately, for the safety of everyone concerned, we canceled the 2020 session. And I'm going to tell you, it took a day or two to come to grips with that. Um, 
because of the anticipation you have over 10 years of knowing that that's that's going to be something you can really showcase kind of your hometown and and everything that goes with it and and even though I'm from Wichita, Kansas City is like my second hometown, and Abdallah and Ararat Shriners have supported me so much all the way here. But, you know, it was the right thing to do, and we did it. But I got some good news, too. Um, we're working really hard, and this this is hot news off the press. Saladin Podcast is going to have it first <laughs> off right. here. All right. uh, tomorrow, we're going to have a joint board meeting, um, obviously by Skype, and we're going to work the process of, of sending out emergency legislation to all the Iowa and Colorado representatives in the very near future. And we will ask them to ratify a number of bylaw changes in this emergency legislation. And the purpose for that would be so that then we can then have an electronic meeting of all the Iowa and the Colorado representatives, probably July 7, 8, or 9, we, while we don't have the details of that, we would envision that it would be a three to five hour um, Zoom meeting or WebEx meeting or Skype meeting, electronic meeting, obviously. And we would ask all the representatives to go to a temple, doesn't have to be your temple, but a temple, and they would register in there. We'd put the recorder uh you in charge of Saladin Temple to make sure that those that come in and say they're voting reps are actually voting reps. They will have cards. You will have a list. You can check them off. And the, and the purpose of the primary purpose of this meeting will be to elect officers for Shriners International and Shriners Hospitals for Children trustees. So as you well know, we have a vacancy currently with Imperial Outer Guard. We don't have one of those right now. So when everybody moves up one, we'll actually have two vacancies to vote on at the, would have had in Kansas City. This will allow all the Iowa representatives to vote for two of the four people, at least that are currently running for those slots. Each of those candidates will have a pre-recorded five-minute or less speech that will be run during that meeting. So everybody knows who they are and what will, they will give their campaign speeches at the end of that, then we'll ballot. And we're wor working with a company now that does this on a regular basis. Our, we have to make sure we have a secure ballot and that everyone has the opportunity to ballot that's entitled to vote. And we think it'll take about 10 to 15 minutes for each ballot to be cast if we don't get an election on the first ballot, we will simply open it up and everyone will ballot again. And you'll do this on your computer or your phone. And so we'll have voting stations, so to speak, at each temple. And everyone will have an individual uh, code that they would have to enter in to make sure that only they would be able to cast that ballot with that code then. So we think we're on to something here. We will also have three uh, trustees uh, positions that are up open this year and we would then vote on Shriners Hospitals for Children Trustees as well. So we're very excited about this. I can tell you we've worked incredibly hard over the last week now to try to come up with a process to make this happen. We think we're there. If we get the joint board to ratify this tomorrow and I have no reason to think they won't, then we would send it out to all the Iowan caller representatives. And it takes a two-thirds majority for them to ratify this for allow us to move forward then and set up the electronic meeting in July. But assuming they would do that, and I can see of no downside to this whatsoever, we're very excited that maybe we won't have, we're going to be the first, it's going to be the first time we didn't have an imperial session in the history 
of the shrine in 148 years, but it might mark the first time that we would have an electronic meeting of some kind, and it would be in a special session of the Imperial uh, Council. So I think we'll get this done, and I'm very excited to, to try to make this happen. Yeah, that sounds great, Jeff. That sounds great. You know, I was thinking the other day just about the different times in history and the different imperial potentates that have lived and and presided over those times. We've had we've had wars and we've had other other epidemics, but we've never had one that uh, that uh, kind of set us in the position that we find ourselves in today. So it's really exciting that uh, you guys are coming up with a, a solution to present to the representatives to be able to do that. It's going to be a unique experience, uh, a one-of-a-kind experience for you as Imperial Potentate, too. Yeah, it will be. And, you know, the ultimate thing on that whole deal is, is that they're going to get to see Jim Smith installed as a new Imperial Potentate. And that was important for me as we worked through that process that, uh, you know, Jim and I have become very close friends over the years as we all do on the joint boards. And, and I know he's just as disappointed as I am. We're not going to have Imperial session because he's not going to get to have a pageant. We're going to get to everyone there to see him installed. And, you know, that's a big deal. And I feel sorry for Jim and Alice that they're not going to have that opportunity, but we can see, Jim get installed. I think that'll that'll help a little bit. And then a little later on, maybe a week or two later, maybe a month later, we're going to have a special event for the ladies. And uh, that's our plan anyway. And it'll just, it won't be a, a called meeting. It'll just be an electronic meeting that ladies or, and men can tune into. And we'll see probably Cheryl give a recap of her first ladies project. We'll probably have our two national patient ambassadors, Madeline and Christian kind of give a recap of their year. Alice will roll out her new first ladies and women in philanthropy program. And then Jim and Alice will tell us all who their new patient ambassadors are for 2020, 2021. So we've got some great plans going on here and wasn't the way we hoped it would be, but certainly we're trying to do something to, to make, take advantage of the opportunities that we have. So, so Jeff, I, I wanted to tell you a quick story. Um, I, I remember the first time that we met. I was uh, campaigning as a trustee for uh, Shriners Hospitals for Children, and I had invite, been invited to come out to speak at Central States. It was the one association that sent me a note saying you should come out here and speak. So I said, you know, I should go out there and speak. So I went out there, and uh, I don't really think a lot of the people knew me out there. I was from the Midwest. But uh, really welcoming association, and and I spoke, and uh, you were there. You were one of the imperial officers that were there, and you came up to me afterwards, and you said, "Hey, I really like what you had to say." And that was the that was our first encounter, and uh, uh, I really have treasured the opportunity to to get to know you through the service that I had on the joint boards, and it's been wonderful uh, watching your year unfold and. Despite the stuff that's going on now that we all know is just temporary, that we're all going to be on the other side of someday and enjoying the shrine again, it's been a real uh, pleasure and honor of mine to to uh, have the friendship with you and see this year unfold for you, Jeff. And I, and I wanted to uh, give you an opportunity, if you'd like to, uh, if you have anything you'd like to say, uh, you know, this will be Nobles of Saladin and anyone else that cares to listen, but if you have a, a parting message for uh, everyone, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> Well, Rick, I, I thank you very much. Uh, you know, I, I, first thing I want to say is what an honor and a privilege it is to serve the fraternity and in particular all the nobles of the shrine and all the temples around the world as the Imperial Potentate. Certainly it was not anything I ever aspired to be. Um, things have just kind of fallen into my lap, I think, over the years. And, and I've been fortunate enough to, for the last 45 years, to be in a line of some kind and, and, uh, 
to serve as the Imperial Potentate has been a huge honor for me to be able to do that. And one of the great things about being the Imperial Potentate and working your way up is working with members of the joint boards, of which you were a member of for several years. And the men that comprise the joint boards for Shriners International and Shriners Hospitals for Children are some of the most dedicated people I've ever been around in my life. They give it their time, talents, and resources on a daily basis in order to try to move our fraternity and our hospital system forward. And I've certainly been blessed to work with a lot of incredible men on these joint boards as, as I've come up the line. Ultimately, I think the biggest thing that you take away from any journey, and certainly the Imperial journey is no different, is the people that you come in contact with and the people that you get to know that you wouldn't have ever had the opportunity to know if you hadn't been in this position. And I think part of that is is a, is a fact that no matter where you go, you know somebody now. And I'll just kind of tell a quick story. My daughter uh, is a very successful college volleyball coach. She coaches in the Jeter College ranks, and she's got a really good program. And this year, her team qualified for the national championship tournament for the first time ever. And it was held um, back in West Virginia. And so she was bemoaning the fact that as they were going to head back there by bus, that on Tuesday afternoon, they were, didn't have any place to practice along the way. And I said to them, I said, uh, said to her, I said, so tell me, what cities are you going through? And she mentioned a couple cities, and, and she goes, uh, Lexington, Kentucky. I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know a lot of people in Lexington because I've been there three and a half years building the hospital, was liaison to the hospital for those years. So I called Tony Lugood, who's the administrator of the hospital there. I said, Tony, any chance you could find some place for my daughter's college volleyball team to practice two hours uh, in Lexington? I said, she's already told me she wants to stop at the hospital. They'd probably do that one to two or one to three, and then maybe three to five, they'd practice, and they're going to drive on to West Virginia. And uh, he says, Give me 24 hours. Well, then 24 hours, he had a gym located for him to practice in. So then she was bemoaning the fact that when she was back in West Virginia, her girls didn't have any place to do study hall. And my daughter's a pretty pretty staunch person when it comes to, to athletics and to studies. And she knows that most of those girls, none of them will ever be professional volleyball players. They're going to be professional in something else. So they know that she's real staunch from them about getting good grades. So when I pulled up the map to look at where we was going to be at the Civic Center back there, what was Catacorner from the Civic Center? Benny Keatum Shrine Temple. Literally, on the way from her hotel, which is only three blocks from the Civic Center, they walked over and back most days, and Benny Keatum was halfway there. So I called the potentate of Benny Keatum and asked him if maybe they would have a room. And we all know at every Shrine Temple, there's room that can hold 15, 20 girls to do their study hall in. He goes, Jason said, sure, bring them on back. He said, we'll find a spot for them. We got all sorts of spots for them. So I told, called my daughter and said, all right, look, here's the deal. I found a place for you to practice. I found a place for you to have study hall all the time you're back in West Virginia. And she goes, well, I guess it does pay to have a dad that's traveled all around the world because you know somebody everywhere. <laughs> and, and that is what it's all about. It's the people you meet. And it's just not the men. It's the ladies as well who, as we all know, they give their heart and soul to support us. We may be, we're just big boys with little boys' toys most of the time, but they keep us going and, and, and they're as invested in caring for the kids as we are. And I just can't say enough how privileged and honored Cheryl and I have been to meet 
so many wonderful people along the way. We're sorry we can't say say goodbye in an official way in Kansas City, but you know what? It's a world we live in right now, and who knows what the next new normal is going to be. And so we're excited uh, with the experiences we've had and just wanted to say thanks to everybody for taking us in to your lives over the last 11 years as we've made this journey. Hey, thanks so much, Jeff. And thanks for being a part of this podcast. And I look forward to uh, talking to you again real soon. Hey, anytime, Rick. You know, I, I, you never want to ask a past grandmaster and a past imperial potentate to be on any kind of a show because they know how to talk a lot. So, <laughs> so it's, it's been great to be with you today. Uh, I want to tell everybody at Saladin, hello. Uh, you guys are a great shrine temple. Just keep up the good work. And we're going to come out of this, Nian. You're right. There's always light at the end of the tunnel, and it, we're going to have that light. And when we're, we've got to be stronger for that. I've encouraged every temple to reach out to all of their nobles to try to make sure that we're, they're okay. And when we find one in distress, let's give them the help that we need because our Masonic teaches, teachings tell us it's all about brotherly love, relief, and we need to make sure we're doing that with everybody that we know today. So been great to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity. And that concludes our interview with Imperial Sir Jeff Souter. It was a real honor to have uh, Jeff sit down and speak with me and also to speak with all of you really as well. And I uh, hope that you enjoyed the podcast and glad you stuck with us all the way to the end. Uh, we're going to produce some more of these. Uh, there'll be some uh, speaking to some of the local leadership in my temple, as well as speaking hopefully to some more national leaders in the shrine and in the uh, hospital system. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this program or anyone that we do in the future. You can find me on Facebook. I'm on there as Salad and Recorder. And you can also email me at recorder at saladinshrine.com. And if you happen to be out there and you're in a chanters group or an oriental band or a shrine band or a pipe band or anything under that umbrella, I would love to be able to get some digital music from you guys. You might have noticed that I had kind of a generic opening and closing song. And uh, I'd like to replace that with some shrine music and showcase some of our shrine music groups that are out there. So if you uh, fit that bill, uh, reach out to me, please, so that we can uh, figure something out. And I'd love to have your your music on the show. And uh, look forward to uh, speaking to you guys again soon. I'm thinking about all the Shriners in my temple and thinking about all the Shriners in the rest of the world throughout the realm. Hoping you guys are staying safe right now and are healthy. And I'll talk to you all real soon. Take care.